Good morning. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond in worship. And so uh, it is good to be together, and uh, I want to say welcome, um, but also welcome to those who are joining us online, and that God's Spirit has entered into our life to call us to come and to, to gather as His people. And uh, you might notice we're, we are going back to having uh, some orders of worship as a booklet, and it has a little more information in it about the church and things happening. And so I just want to encourage you to look through this. The, on the opening page, there is uh, information about children's classes and also just uh, information about the service in general. And if you go all the way to the back, there is uh, the list of announcements. And I want to highlight a couple things, uh, that there's two events going on today in particular. Uh, after the church service, we're having uh, a lunch that Mark and Susan Dawson are hosting uh, to welcome uh, Mark and Alicia, who are going to share in just a moment, uh, mission partners who serve in the Netherlands. So we're thankful the family is here and we'll have a chance to have lunch with them. So anyone who would like to be part of that can come at 1130. It's 2425 West Leland. We'll be in the backyard of the Dawson's to enjoy food together. And also this evening at 7 o'clock at the community space, uh, we're having a book discussion on the novel The Kindest Lie. And the author, Nancy Johnson, will be there to join us. And so I encourage you, if you've read the book, come. If you've started it and didn't finish, come anyway. If you haven't read the book and just want to be part of a good discussion, I invite you to come. It'll be a good time. It's at 7 o'clock tonight at the community space. Um, also, you'll notice that Kids Week is coming soon, the last week of July. If you haven't registered, you can do that online, or there's paperwork at the welcome table. The last thing to mention is that on this back page, there is uh, a way to sign up to get church information, to give your information to the church to get the weekly email. Or if you have new information you want to share with us, it's there. Or I just want to uh, ask a chance to meet with a pastor or ask for prayer. So you can fill it out um, and drop it in the offering plate in the back, or there's a, way to, there's a link here that you can follow that you can fill it out online. So I encourage you to do that. Um, before I invite uh, Mark and uh, Alicia to come forward, I want to take a moment to uh, dismiss the, the, the children who are participating in the preschool class and the children's worship class. They can head to the back, uh, that doorway that will take them down to the basement. And those classes, the preschool class and the children's worship will run throughout the service and, and finish the same time the service does. Well, I'm really uh, thankful for uh, Mark and Alicia to, to come and share about the work they're doing in, uh, at Tyndale in, in the Netherlands. Uh, they are mission partners that are, are dear to us, and so come on up and uh, can give us an update about kind of what's happening, and then we'll, we'll, we'll pray for, for you. Good morning. It's great to be with you again. We're Mark and Alicia, and we have a 10-year-old son, Henry, and um, 8-year-old daughter, Michaela, that just walked out. So it's great to be here with you. Um, we might be familiar faces to some of you as we were part of this church when it first started as a church plant. But we've been serving at Tyndale Theological Seminary just outside of Amsterdam for the past nine years. And I want to tell you about who the students are, a couple of the students. So this past year, I had the privilege of proofreading thesis. And so I read one for um, a brother who is from Cameroon. And if you uh, are aware of what's going on there right now, they're in the midst of, of a civil war. And it goes back basically to colonial times. Uh, and it's between the Anglo-Franks and the Franco uh, I'm saying it, Anglophiles and the Francophiles. And so 
um, basically his thesis was about being able to go back and help people that have been traumatized by the conflict there. Um, and he's not the only one. Since we've been there, there is a student that graduated, went back to basically a peaceful country, and then the war broke out. He has lost his sister, has uh, been displaced, and things like that. These are the type of people that come to Tyndale. The other thesis that I wrote was from a brother from Myanmar. And uh, he is part of the Chin uh, community from Myanmar. And they have uh, faced persecution over the years. And there's a big tin community in the Netherlands. And so it was basically to see what needs to be taught to these people as they're walking away from God in this secular country. Because before, in Myanmar, they depended on God to meet their basic needs. They show up in the Netherlands, and the government is meeting their needs. And so how to combat the uh, animistic culture of appeasing God to get what you need, how Buddhism has influenced them, all these things. Um, but the interesting thing is he is actually uh, wasn't part of this Chin community in the Netherlands, but uh, was, had his family back in Myanmar. And if you're aware of what happened on February 1st, there was a military coup and now he cannot head back there. He, he can't even get back to his, uh, to his family. We have about four graduates since we've been at uh, Tyndale that are currently in Myanmar and of course are part of ministering to those around them, at times being displaced and forced to move. So that's just a taste of the type of students, people that come to Tyndale and go back to serve in situations like that. So while COVID in some ways has shut down the world, one thing that it has not shut down is war, and that continues on in these countries. Good morning. It's nice to see you. It's nice to be back and see some familiar faces and some new faces. I'm Mark. Um, I'll tell you just a little bit of what's going on at Tyndale. Uh, in a very odd way, I feel like the last 15 months have been the best 15 months in the 11 years that I've been involved with the seminary. Um, from an objective standard, uh, we've had the largest number of program students in the 36, 37 year, 36 year history of the school. Uh, and those were people who were actually at the school. We're, one of the few European schools that actually have dormitories. Uh, dormitories are an American and a UK experience. They're not a European experience. And we actually have a dormitory. And so when COVID came on a Friday and the government said we were shutting down, we had a full dorm. We had the largest number of people in our dorm ever. And they couldn't get on the bike or the bus to go home because the vast majority of them were from Africa uh, from Asia and, and, and not from Europe this past year. Uh, we had the largest number of program students that we've ever had, uh, some online, but mostly in person still. And then, of course, we had to go to Zoom. Uh, and, and, and that was good. We also, this past year, had the largest missionary residential faculty that the schools had, uh, probably double the number since uh, we arrived. So that was a blessing. So, and 
Yeah, the other goals were reached, but for me, I, I just I want to share, it, it was just the best year there, and, and the, or for me it was. And the reason it was is we watched the Lord take the infrastructure that he had built over several years just come to life. So he spared us for six months. We had no COVID from March until September. And then a couple of faculty got COVID. Uh, and then a month later in October, when the second wave came through, about 30% of our students and faculty were diagnosed. We shut the school down an extra week. We usually shut it down in a week in the fall. It was really amazing to watch the students. The students were taking trays up to the dormitory in the isolated rooms, feeding their brothers and sisters, taking care of them. And, and in about two to three weeks, it was over. I don't think we've had a COVID case since December. On the staff and the faculty side, it was kind of like old church. I'm sure we still do it at Lincoln Square, but when people you know, have children and pregnancies, but people just signed up. You know, Now the Garvelias, are, we got COVID in October, the whole family. So based on Dutch protocols, we were shut down as a family for two weeks. So people were bringing us food and then the bus went to the next home. And it was, for me, it was just, uh, it's, it's the way life should be led in the body of Christ. And so it was just a very encouraging time. Thank you for having us back here. And it's, it's really nice to be here. And I'm glad you folks have a place to meet too. So we've been praying for that. Thank you. Can, I'm, I'm going to, let's pray for Mark and Alicia. Uh, Lord, thank you for Mark and Alicia and Henry and Michaela. And thank you for their, their friendship and partnership in the gospel. Um, as Alicia said, we're thankful for this long history of being in church together here in Lincoln Square, but also being connected even as we are apart by a great ocean and continents. And so we thank you for the work of the gospel that's going on at Tyndale, training up men and women to, to serve Christ. And we think especially of these stories that Alicia shared, um, of people who are disconnected from their families or facing great conflict or displacement. And we ask that you would care for them and meet them in their times of need. And we pray especially that the church would be a place of family and connection of, and of care. We pray for witness, the witness to Christ in the midst of war and conflict, in the midst of difficulty. And we thank you for Tyndale being part of that. We pray that you bless Mark and Alicia. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, there is a lunch uh, after the church service. You can come and have some food and a chance to talk to Mark and Alicia more. Just after the church service, find them and ask them about their work. But God calls us to come and to worship. So let's take a moment of quiet as we prepare to come before God and enter into worship. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 106. Will you stand with me and we'll sing it together? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord, or declare all his praise? Both we and our fathers have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedness. 
Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled at the Red Sea. So he saved them from the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy, and the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words, and they sang his praise. Gracious, almighty, steadfast God, the creator and sustainer of all things on heaven and earth, our very lives, in you alone do we live and move and have our being. This morning we come to be renewed and transformed by your living and active word. We seek for your wisdom, wisdom that brings life. In Christ, you have destroyed the grip that sin and evil has upon our souls. By his crucifixion, death, resurrection, and now he sits and reigns above. And you send your spirit to dwell with us, both to comfort us and equip us for the work of the gospel. Lord God, this morning, some of us come with heavy hearts, needing you to meet us in those places of hurt and pain and longing. Some of us come suffering, 
suffering physically from illness, suffering from mental anguish, suffering in our relationships with spouses, with family, with loved ones, with our bosses. Lord God, we ask that you would meet us in those places, that you would draw near to us and hear us. Lord, we also recognize that some of us come filled with joy. We even thank you for Mark and Elisa and pray that you would be with them and the good work that you've been doing there. Lord, we ask that you would draw and hear our prayers this as we gather together to worship you, that you would draw near by your spirit and remind us of your love in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, God invites us to draw near to him in confession of our sins. And this is a time to not only acknowledge our, our faults, our shortcomings, it's a time to put away our pride, put away our self-sufficiency, to stop blaming and pointing the finger at others, but to be self-reflective. So we're going to do that corporately through prayer and song and then privately. Would you please join me? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Lord, we pray that the fruit of your Spirit may grow in us. God of all creation, your love is patient, and we pray for the patience to love others as you have loved us. Forgive us for the times this week when we were quick-tempered and angry. Forgive us for the times when we were discouraged and give us patiently waiting for you.
please take a few moments of private confession. Steadfast and compassionate God, our Heavenly Father, you are gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness towards us. We thank you for the forgiveness that we have received in the blood of Christ, that he has washed our guilt and shame away. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me and we will recite these words of assurance together. Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will exalt over you with loud singing. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson comes from Proverbs 15, 25 through 33. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The Gospel lesson is from Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and then the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, 
and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's good to be here with you and to look at God's word together. And we have, we're just finishing up today our sermon series on the letter of James in the New Testament. And as we come to these final verses today, we'll see as, as James is drawing this letter to a close, he is going back to opening themes. Last week, we saw that he returned to the theme of being patient or being steadfast. And today, we'll see in our passage that he returns to the theme of the importance of our words, the importance of how we use our tongues. You might recall earlier in the letter, we, we heard James say, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, that true and wise religion must be concerned with how we speak and that we should be careful when we teach, that the tongue is the hardest thing to control. He, he says we can control all types of animals, but we cannot control the tongue. It runs wild, full of deadly poison. And with our tongue, we bless God, but we curse the people that God made in his image. And James even goes on to identify some of the ways that we use our words to reflect the wisdom of the world. Self-deception, flattery, partiality, especially against the poor, judgment of others, slander, or arrogant boasting. So that's been going on in the letter, but now as we come to the end, James, in these final verses, offers us examples of words used in what we could say is a positive way, a way that reflects the wisdom of heaven, prayer during distress, songs of praise, calls for help, confession of sin, praying for one another, comforting one another, and gracious forgiveness. So let's read these words that James offers to encourage us as the letter draws to a close. And follow in your order of worship or just listen as I read. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray for them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, remember this. Whoever brings back a sinner from their wandering will save their soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is God's word given for our good. As we look at this passage, I, the sermon will have two parts or two observations. The first one is that God's living word is the basis for our good words. And the second thing we'll see is that our good words reflect our new community in Christ. So let's start with this first observation. God's living word is the basis for our good words. In the Gospels, we hear this account of after Jesus died on the cross, 
the experience of the disciples. Maybe some of you remember reading this, that they were obviously distraught, ashamed, and afraid. And so what did they do? That one of the things they do is they hide, and they lock themselves inside a private room. And the gospel tells us, though, that suddenly in that room, the resurrected Jesus enters the locked room. Suddenly in the midst of this fearful group stands the risen Jesus. And what does he say to them? Peace be with you. He offers them a greeting. Afraid and hiding, suddenly the one that they had abandoned, the one who had been crushed by the powers that now filled them with fear, this one is with them. Greetings to you in this locked room. Greetings to you in this locked room. And what Jesus' greeting does as it speaks to these questions is there's something other than my fear, other than the things that lock me into hiding. The greeting, the word from the risen Jesus speaks to these questions, and it reminds us of the story, the story of God that, that James has been saying throughout the letter, telling us this story that it's the basis for inviting us to wisdom not just to do something, but inviting us to the basis of knowing how to live. And that story is this, that our Creator did not leave us in our sin, in our misery, in our fear, but with steadfast love and abundant grace, He draws near, enters our condition, and enters our locked rooms. Our Creator identifies with us and carries our burdens, even being crushed by the world for doing so. And Jesus not only bore our sin and fear, but God vindicated him, raising him up and giving him the name above all names. This is my son. Here is true wisdom. Here is the one greater than the powers, greater than your sin and your death. And now this one is saying, peace be with you in this locked room. There's something more than our fear, more than our shame and sin, more than the powers that have hurt or denied or mocked us. God's living word is the basis for why we might speak words ourselves. You see, James calls God's word the word of truth, and when it's planted in us by the Spirit, it brings new life and it's the soil, it's the basis for new ways of speaking. And he gives us examples here, praying when we're in suffering, singing songs of praise when we have joy and gratitude, calling for help when we have needs around us or in us, confessing our sins to God and to one another, praying for one another, and even offering forgiveness to one another. Thinking about this, the basis of such words I want us to think more about this, that God's living word is the basis. For if there's no God, no word of truth, no risen Jesus who enters our locked rooms, no other realm than what we can see or touch, then prayer or such words that James offers are foolish. When James invites us to speak these new words to God and to one another, 
He's affirming and inviting us to affirm and, and live upon this truth that God's word is there, living and true, that there is a wisdom different from the world, that there's a heavenly kingdom that even mysteriously intersects with our lives and in our present world. That's the way God's word speaks of his spirit, of this intersection of heaven and earth, and that Jesus, what Jesus does is he reveals on earth the ways of the heavenly kingdom, the heavenly realm. And when you and I live by heavenly wisdom, gentleness and patience, impartiality and mercy and forgiveness, when we do this on earth, we're living not according to the present world, but we're living in light of the heaven reality, the heavenly realm. We're living in light of the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we think about this type of basis of God's word. It's in this manner that when we pray to the risen Jesus, it's as if we are standing with one foot in the place of trouble, of sickness and sorrow, uncertainty, of sin. One foot there, but one, the other foot in the place of hope and of healing and of what is true and of forgiveness and joy. That we stand in those places confident that the one who has faced all of our sin, who has taken upon himself our condition, he has told us to pray to him, to speak to him, to use and pray in his very name. That we can speak new words on the basis of God's words, living and resurrected. So James directs us to pray and to sing, to call for help, to confess and to forgive. But I also want us to see this morning as we make observations that our good words not only are on the basis of God's word, but our good words reflect our new community in Jesus. I saw recently in the news, maybe you saw this, a story about Burger King. Caught my attention. <laughs> Apparently in Lincoln, Nebraska, Burger King made the news because of a message on their large sign out on the street. You know those signs that they have movable letters usually advertising Whoppers for sale. Well, this one made the news because on the sign it said, we all quit, sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> we all quit, sorry for the inconvenience. We don't know exactly what was going on in that Burger King, right? But that sign tells us a lot about what was going on in that Burger King. The story, kind of making light of Burger King's slogan, says that the workers had it their way, and they went home, they went home for good. I mention that because that sign tells us what's happening in that restaurant, or at least gives us some indication, right? And we're not talking about a big billboard sign, but James speaks of our words, our words, even our words to one another, as that type of sign, pointing to something beyond us, to God, but also to a new community that's been formed. See, this list of words that were offered, they are personal and individual, right? But they're also they point to connection, a new community, the idea of calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Over and over again, James has reminded us of that identity. And I want to take a moment as we draw to a close to highlight one particular thing that James says in this new community of his, this new community of Christ, how will we treat the sick and the weak among us? It's as if James is asking, will this new community in the face of sickness behave like friends of the world or like friends of God? 
The wisdom of the world we've been remembering tells us a story, and that story at its heart is that we are on our own. We're on our own. And to have more accomplishments, more stuff, more resources means that you are more. And to have less is to be less. And if we follow that story, then it makes sense that we look out for ourselves. If we follow the story, we might not say it or they might not be spoken aloud at times, but it invites us to evaluate one another in relationships in terms of the cost or the benefit. And therefore, when one is sick or weak, a community might consider leaving such a person or deeming them too costly. We know the world often suggests to us that what is best is to separate the weak from the strong. But God's word here given by James offers a very different vision. It's interesting here, for the first time in the letter, and the only time, James uses the Greek term ekklesia, the church. What will the church be like? Well, the church is a place in which sickness and weakness are cared for. James actually empowers the sick, saying that you are to summon the elders, call them to yourself, that they may care for you, to pray over, to anoint someone. These are not magical actions, but they speak of personal, intentional care. To enter on the behalf of Christ into someone else's suffering or pain, to enter into someone else's loneliness, to be present in the midst of hiding in a locked room. community of Christ is called to, with its words and actions, to share its strength and resources, especially with those facing weakness or illness or uncertainty. Why? Because Jesus healed the sick. Certainly show his authority, but also to establish a new community, to give names to those who might have been forgotten to welcome those who were pushed aside, to meet those who had disease and affliction, who were oppressed, and, and to call them into a new place, into healing, not just of their bodies, but of their very souls. And so whenever we gather and speak to each other with new words, whenever we confess our sins, or offer forgiveness, pray for one another, care for each other in our sickness, then we are giving witness to the living word of Jesus. We're giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus, to there is something more than our fears and our weakness. We're giving witness against the world that would invite us to envy, that would invite us to looking out for ourselves and to division, and to say that we belong to a different one in a different way. Let it be for us. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you'd meet us by your spirit and minister to us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
give you thanks, O God, who abundantly pours out your grace toward us. You heal the sick, mend the broken, give sight to the blind, comfort the hurting, and promise to raise the dead to life. Give us faith to trust that your will shall be done as we join you the people on earth and all the company of heaven and the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, during this time, we are, we're not uh, coming forward and, and breaking bread together. We're celebrating communion through the, the prepackaged elements that were by the welcome table. So if you, uh, if you need one, uh, Pastor Brian is there. Is anyone who's going to take communion needed up front here? Some? Thank you. If you're going to take communion this morning, then I invite you to go ahead and, and prepare. You can open up uh, those elements. If you're not taking communion, we're glad that you're here and that let this table still be a sign and a witness to you about who God is and his kingdom. For this table gives witness to the living word that there's something other than our resources, other than our sin, something other than the powers that fill us with fear or hide us away. Jesus entered into our misery and sin, bore our condition, and was raised to life on the third day to tell us that he is greater than our sin and death. If you know of your need before God and have faith in Christ, then this table is set for you to come and partake. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, then let this table be a witness, an invitation to think again about who God is and where you seek this hope and these powers. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table, and I pray, Lord, that you'd meet us here by your Spirit ministering to us. Thank you for the promise that you meet us wherever we are, speak to us good news that there is more than ourselves and more than our sin and the powers that oppress. We pray that you set apart this bread and cup and that by your spirit that you'd use it to not only give glory to yourself but to minister and witness to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Lord, we thank you that you're not only our creator who brings forth bread and the fruit of the vine, but you are our redeemer, bringing new life to those who are lost and dead. We give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with me that we can respond to this table 
and receive God's blessing. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to imitate your kindness to the outsider, your affection for the lost, and your desire to please only your Heavenly Father as we proclaim the mystery of faith. receiving God's blessing, just a reminder, I encourage you to take a moment to say hello to Mark and Alicia and ask them about Tyndale. Also, I want to mention uh, Will Lowry is here. Will, you raise your hand. Will is a mission partner as well with their church, and his, he and his wife Katie are in the States for a little while, but will be going to Birmingham, England to be part of a work there to, to plant churches and do mission work there. So talk to Will as well and ask him, ask him about England. <laughs> receive now God's blessing. In the name of the, the, may the, may the love of the Father and the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. You may go in peace. Mm-hmm.